Welcome to another episode of Courtyard Wednesday. This is your co-host Kendrick. Hey everybody, it's Joy. What it do? It's Larry. What up? Part two. Part two. Part two. First of all, part two, but we're into spring. Oh my gosh, we're about to we're coming on Easter this mm-hmm. upcoming weekend. I'm so excited. Yes, I'm ready to eat. <laughs> what you what you got? What what does Larry put on his menu for Easter? Man, you know the usual. I, look, really, it's about just about the size. I want some mac and cheese. I don't even care what else is on the menu. Yeah. I just want some mac and cheese. I'm making mac and cheese and some greens and some deviled eggs because I think my the family is making some other stuff. But that's what I'm cooking: some greens, some mac and cheese, some deviled eggs. But are you sharing it? I got no. you. You know, no. I, I got you. I can say I can save you and Steph a little plate, a little scoop. Well, say less. A scoop of something. Little, little scoop. I need a plate done. You need a scoop. <laughs> I'm lying to you. I'm trying to get a plate. I know that's right. You know you gotta do what you gotta do to get what you get. And all of y'all done got the stimulus. Look here. Go ahead, get you some paper dollars and put them in them eggs so these children can find it. Don't be skipping on the money eggs. <laughs> Man, let me tell you something. I thought I was rich as a kid. <laughs> Baby, I had eighteen dollars and ain't nothing you can tell me about it. Oh, hey, didn't y'all used to have like a, a real like devil egg or something in there? I feel like I remember that for some reason. Bruh, who's no. our team for the devil egg? <laughs> and being blown, like, if you can't have an Ethan egg hunt, then don't have one. Hey, right, bro, I'm eight though. Like, I'm, I, ain't, I don't want no parts of a devil egg when I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's just sick of my soul. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if y'all, if I mean, listen, if y'all are still trying to quarantine, that's okay. Y'all can Easter egg hunt in the house, in the backyard, you know, find a way to make it fun, but do not skimp on the money eggs. These children, they need, they need a money egg or two. You know, let's talk about that. Find me one. I mean, or two. I mean, I mean, for real, for real. That I mean, I think that money <laughs> egg ain't nothing like going into the. Well, I guess they, they, the kids have their own. Let me tell you something. Kids are just different nowadays. They built differently. I mean, my little sister has her own Amazon account. Like, I'm like, what? <laughs> Bro, that's like a hundred. Like, that's like being the school book fair at all given times. Like, really? Like. <laughs> And who who's who's whose banking account is it linked to, Jesus? So she has to get like a you the basically you can put everything you want in the card. Mm-hmm. However, when you go to check out, you have to have your parents' permission. Uh, and so basically it sends a link to the parent to say, Can she buy this? I remember mama calling me once, like, I don't know what was going on, because basically what happens is you have to use your face ID, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And baby, she put that phone in front of her face while she was sleeping. Oh, you know, like little slick stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, and got away with like two hundred dollars worth of stuff. Let me tell you something. I said, honey, let me tell you something. Y'all, y'all, different kind of parent now. Ava, bet not, because I see all these horror stories. Fortnite points of coin, something, oh, and Lord. spending all this money. Ava, bet not. Ava, bet not. I mean, Fortnite's made a killing just off of error purchases. Facts, because the game is free. I think. Right. It's the little skins and stuff that costs. That's brilliant. I ain't never played Fortnite. I'm too old. I was born in the 1900s as the young <laughs> It's the 1900s. Say. Wait. Uh, <laughs> I was born in the 1900s. <laughs> wait, I have, wait, I feel officially old. 
Yeah, <laughs> that hit hard. That hit real hard. Dang. Y'all know that's you know like people don't even have to read our um our IDs hard anymore if we're getting carded. Is is if it says nineteen, you old enough. Yo, I, man, that that hit way harder than I thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you got to move on from that. That's making my brain. Well, everybody that just had a mini heart attack. It's okay. It's okay. Your knees are intact. Barely. Your knees are intact. Well, barely. That's oh, the thing. <laughs> well, all right. It's part two of this episode because we were getting into it last episode last week. So let's um let's keep it going. We still got Dr. Khadija Porter and about to be Dr. Tori and Milam on the line. Hey, hey. y'all. Hello. Hello. Okay, so let's get back into it. Let's get back into it. Culture on the campus. The campus culture. Do you feel... Uh, well, let me let me back up just for a little bit. For everybody who's tuning in, if you haven't listened to part one, please go back and listen to part one. So give you some context for this episode. But we are diving into the big topic of the LGBTQIA plus community experience at TSU. And so let's just kick this off. Was there pressure to be or to remain in the closet at TSU in regards to campus culture? Well, from my perspective, I do um, think that there was pressure to remain in the closet. I did not experience that because there was never an option for me. Uh, however, uh, I do feel that other males the male experience were pressured to be in the closet in order to conform to what the university expected of you uh, to conform to what certain organizations expected to you expected of you if you wanted to be in this organization or that organization you had to maintain a certain level of masculinity so I do think that a lot of my peers felt that pressure whether they were gay or whether they were straight uh, to maintain a certain level of masculinity to the public. Hmm. I think that also trying to run for different positions with an SGA and sub-G and student leadership, I think sometimes you had to do the same, very same thing. Uh, and so we, we, I don't know if we saw student leaders that looked like us, you know, um, even though they might have, but they couldn't live in their troops because they were expected to, to give off the persona as being overly masculine. I think from my perspective as a female, um, just watching the experience of other people, it was a lot of pressure, um, to kind of, for me, like, I don't, I won't say I was ever, like, in the closet when I was at TSU, but I was never, I don't know, I was a nerd, you know what I mean? I was pre-med, I was doing this, I was doing that, so I wasn't really on the scene, so it really wasn't a big topic of debate as far as my sexuality went, um, but looking at the experiences of other people who are more out there, I felt a lot of pressure to just, you know, keep my head down and keep it pushing through TSU because, not so much of the culture of the school, but people associate who you are as a person with where you can go and who you can become. 
So a lot of my mentors who knew, you know, about my sexuality were like, you know, that's cool, but you know, you have to think about how it's going to look as far as you want to be a doctor, as far as you want to get this internship, or as far as you want to, you know, represent the honors program or whatever. And I don't mean like name drop or anything like that, but it was just not, I don't know. The the general rule, the general consensus is that you don't advertise. Mm. Mm. So, okay. Let me help the the listeners really understand. Um, oh, go ahead. Well, I, I'm just gonna ask. You said let you let you add something. She brought up experience, and I previously thought that I did not have any experience with the issues, but I just remembered one um, in the honors program where I do feel like I was misjudged or miscalculated based off of what I initially presented without taking consideration to my intelligence, to what I had to bring to the table as a leader, um, and to how I could represent the university. I can, I can absolutely see that. So I, I just wanted to bring that up because it's like, it, that was like a moment for me. Because, you know, we tend to remember like overall our experiences and we forget like some of the, the frayed edges. Um, but I absolutely had an experience where I do feel like I was judged based off of how I presented in my personality. Um, in so many words, not directly, but beating around the bush when I was addressed, I absolutely had that experience. Hmm. I I kind of um, <clears throat> I know that people get up in arms sometimes when you compare the gay experience to the black experience. But I, from what I'm hearing, it sounds really similar. And the fact that as a, me as a, who me as a person who sits at the intersectionality of being black and a woman and a, in a typical white space, I kind of feel like when I show up, um, those people who, who have privilege in this case, white privilege, um, subconsciously, see me and they check off a box as if I'm like a uh, like item on a grocery list like okay we got a black woman so we can progress forward and there's never any consideration of what I can bring to the table it's more of uh, okay good we got a black person or we got a woman or we have a black woman um, help, help me and help other uh, listeners understand is that is that kind of what you're describing? Like, if if you are an openly gay person, sometimes you felt like in an organization or in a group, people like check the box. Okay, well, we got a gay person. Good, let's keep it pushing. Without or or with allowing like your gayness, right, or your queerness or, or what have you, like negate the fact that you actually have something to contribute because. Your sexuality has nothing to do with your contribution to a group. Did, did that make sense? Did I, I think express that's more that? So, um, I don't think any organization was ever looking for a, a gay male. Um, 
and then hmm. if they got them, then they just got them out of the process, right? Um, and so I say all I can say is that I think that's that majority of us just really found our homes in different organizations, right? Um, and so I think that if we were we showed up and we're in our space and we're accepted, then we were. And I know there was challenges um, throughout, you know, like I said earlier, is that, you know, some organizations were more accepted than others. And I think that really showed us up true. So, um, and so Larry, I want to bring you into this conversation um, because it's important for uh, hetero males, especially hetero black males yeah. to be part of this conversation. Um, and continuing on, help us understand, because and, and, help me flesh this out uh, because I don't think people really understand that as a gay person, there's a difference um, or as a gay man, there's a difference between living in Watson and Boy and living in Hale or off campus. And um, as a gay woman, there's a difference between being an athlete and living in Rudolph and being a STEM major or business major um, and or, or any major, really. Help, help us understand what in our campus community um, how how can I help me help me flush it out? Because I, I want to make sure I ask this question right. Like how your how your placement in the life of the campus um, affected how you operate as a member of this community. I think I asked that right. I think y'all got really quiet, so maybe I didn't. <laughs> I was trying to understand. Say that one more time. Um, the- so, and okay, so 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 let's break this down. Like, cause and and Dr. Porter, help me out because I think we we are okay with seeing a masculine presenting woman as an athlete. Yes, because in our mental box that makes sense yes. to us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense that that same male presenting woman or or gay or queer woman could you know, it's sitting next to me in a psychology class or, you know, like our, our brains can't, um, our brains don't readily accept that. And so we're, we're trying to figure out how, how that works. Yeah. Um, and so what, what is that, what is that feeling of like, I don't fit in the box that people think I should be in. And so this is affecting how I operate on campus. And I, and I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth I'm I'm thinking because I'm trying to sit I'm trying to sit in your seat a little bit. Um, like I don't know, like I can't really. It's 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 kind of a, a fine line to tread, I guess you could say. Um, at TSU when I was at TSU, even now, I guess you could say I fit all of those boxes perfectly. So like I was one of those that. I didn't really have much conflict at TSU as far as fitting into a normative box or um, I guess being like assimilating. You know what I mean? Like there was always this emotionally mental, emotional and mental component of it, but it was never like a physical challenge for me to be like, okay, you know, 
heteronormative, everything's fine. Like I just, it never was a second thought to me. Um, but it's just, as far as your earlier point, as far as, you know, being in organizations and then like, okay, we got one, check the box. I felt like that. I was in a lot of organizations when I was in, um, at TSU, a lot of organizations, um, SG, SGA, um, NACWC, AKSI, a lot of organizations. And I felt like that a lot of the time, but it was never publicly acknowledged. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, I was treading that fine line, you know, am I here because, you know, these adjectives or, or pronouns or whatever fit the description of the type of person that you want in your organization or am I here because I can contribute positively so I felt that way I felt that way at TSU and I feel that way now but as far as like being visibly out of any box I never had that experience so what was dorm life like like at the residence hall. What was that like? Uh, sucked. I mean <laughs> it, it wasn't bad for me. Um I, I I guess I was the lucky to never have to stay at Watson Hall. Oh, no. oh there we go. I'm about to say you were lucky. <laughs> my, oh wait a minute. That's <laughs> my first two years were spent at Hale Hall and then I uh moved across the street to the suburbs, uh to NRC. <laughs> yeah, I moved to, to the suburbs. Uh, but yeah, I never had to deal with Watson Hall. I can honestly say that I also feel like that is a lot of the reason why I never really had a bad experience being a member of the LGBTQIA community is because I feel like the people at Hale Hall were a lot more mature in mindset most of them were older. Um, I cannot actually say that some of my friends and, and colleagues that stayed in Watson Hall did have a lot more experiences with like gay bashing and, and comments and things. Of they experienced that at Watson Hall. And some of them Boyd Hall. But like I said, I, I lived in Hale and then I moved to the suburbs. I never uh, so yeah, yeah, I was born. I had to come. I had to come in there because uh, I stayed in Watson um, for a year. Then I when I I moved to Hale Hall after that. Um, and so one of the things was for me um, that yes, freshman males who are trying to assert themselves mm -hmm. as the funny one in the group are we're always fighting figuring out ways to, to do that. And also, one of the biggest pieces of it all as a gay male and at TSU was the shared bathrooms. The community bathrooms and the community showers. Like, that's a big piece as it relates to that experience as well. Because the comfortability for you to go in there and shower in that same space with, and then also having a heterosexual male um, in that same space and comfortability levels and you know, you're right out of high school and you're just really trying to figure it out and it, it, it's so hard, but I think that it adds a, a definitely layers um, for um, for immature practices and discriminatory comments um, when you are using a community style um, dorm. 
So, you know, I think that's something to look at um, as we look toward moving forward is kind of advocating for um, safe spaces in that too for LGBT members to ensure that, you know, that the students are not being discriminated against within in um, kind of like a locker room style, right? Um, and so that's something to think about as well. No, it's, it's kind of wild just um, sitting back. And I haven't said too, too much. I've been really taking in a lot and um, just like hearing these experiences that I'm not even necessarily very privy to, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm taking them in and some of, if you could see me, I'm like, wow. Like I'm kind of sitting back and I've said, wow, probably to myself a bunch of times about, um, just some of the, the things that, um, you know, you all have experienced in, in these spaces and some of the mindsets that you have to take into, um, you know, just going about regular regular campus life um i did think of one thing when you were talking about community bathroom i mean me i'm shoot i'm more concerned about a cricket um being <laughs> you laughing I, I told you the story about uh seeing the, the cricket come up the drain so i mean that oh yeah uh, but you know more more so than any any of those other things and i guess in my mind right now um and I, i'm gonna go even broad big picture um than even just campus. I think in some ways let's society has has failed. Um that that's 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 really what my mind has been just playing over and over again to where uh you know people are so concerned with something that doesn't have anything to do with you. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's just kind of blowing my mind um again that you know some of these experiences are just so um uh, so tough or um, you know things you have to go through and think about you know who wants to wrap their brain about uh, how they'll be treated in a regular day when we're supposed to be a, a safe space or uh, you know somebody looking at um, you know me because I am I identify this way and you know you talk about checking the box like somebody's going to look at you know the way I identify as opposed to what I bring to the table you know that, that it's really blowing my mind on that end and um you know, it's it's just it's a failure in in in, the, in society to me in in that regard. But yeah, it's it's been it's been very eye opening to um, you know take in some of these experiences that you all um, had. You know, so you know, like in keeping with the dorm rooms, um, I'm thinking about like things like visitation, right? <laughs> um. We didn't. We we only technically had visitation, like maybe once or twice in the year, technically. Um, but you know, you was you know as well as I know. As soon as visitation was quote unquote official, all kinds of things were going on in that dorm room, and all kinds of things was going on in the dorm room uh, when there wasn't yeah, technical girl, visitation. Girl, my my thing is. <laughs> I have questions now because because my question is do people mind their business like are are there things that the the rest of the student population really were able to kind of take for granted because um it is so heteronormative right if I wanted if I was you know in 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 Rudolph and we had visitation and there was a guy in my room nobody would look 
nobody would blink twice, right? They they wouldn't care. But like if I'm well, a look if twice I'm a, if you had um, a girl in your room. It's urgent you have. This is okay, and then, yeah. So, so that's 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 something, right? That is something. But like, if we were if we were dating, I guess it. I guess you could hide it, or nobody would know because it's more accepting of women to do that kind of thing. I mean, I just. Um, but even you know, the same can be said in the reverse order. You know what I mean, like. Visitation, no visitation. If it's two guys in a room and one of them is not known to be gay, then there's no, like, there's no discussion. Nobody thinks twice about it. And I think the same for women. It's just, it comes, I think men have a rougher time than women, hands down. But I think the real discussion as far as, like, visitation and things like that have to do with people who are not, like, heteronormative. So, I mean, I didn't have any privacy issues when I was um, at TSU, but like Torian said, I moved to the suburbs early. So, and I feel like with that, it was just more, you have more control over your life. You have more control over your privacy. You have more control over your narrative when everybody's not in your business. Everybody's not looking at you know the one front door you know and it's like I think that is stable across the board though I don't think well let me not speak for everybody's experience but for heteronormative people I think it was all the same (laughs) I just <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking like because on a campus where you live most of your mm-hmm. life is in your room. And you know, if there were some, you know, some things barring you from living your best life outside on campus, are there things barring you from living your best life in your room? Well, I think a lot of times too, Joy, to be honest, is that I found myself to talking to individuals who were off the campus because I didn't want to deal with the because there's a big piece too is like the roommates right having a a heterosexual roommate and like their accountability level and like is it the same thing and I I, luckily I uh, I I lucked out on that but I just didn't even want to have them conversations so I'm like you know (laughs) at this point I'm just gonna go off campus but I think that that you know that is something to kind of um to think about too is about like roommate matchups and if we should be advocating as alumni um, ex- for experience for the students is to maybe asking that question or find ways for people to um, connect through a through a database to make sure that they, they are in a safe space even when they're laying at their head at night, you know? Because we all come from different experiences and everybody has their own journey, even in acceptance, right? And so yeah. I think that it's easier said than done for most, uh, for some. And so I think that it's essential that housing assignments has a look through the equity lens um, and that space too. Um, I think that I benefited a lot by having straight roommates, you know, uh, because I was able to see the other side and I was able to get a lot of information about how they navigated versus, you know, the girls on campus versus the guy, you know, it was, it was really informative, but, you know, that says, that says something about like just, 
the full the full experience of being in college because you just you're you're forced to to be in close settings with people that you might not have thought that you have been. And I think I I want to mm. piggyback off of that. I think that that experience of having a roommate that you know nothing about that you are possibly completely different than is so important. It, it gives people the, I think that's a part of the collegiate experience. It gives you the opportunity to learn about somebody completely different from you that probably does things, everything opposite the way that you do. Um, and, and, <laughs> and it's very refreshing. And, and honestly, like, my first roommate at TSU, we were roommates for like a year and a half, two years. We were complete opposites. But I love him today. Like, you know, and we're complete opposite. But I learned so much from him. He learned so much from me. And that's important. Of course, every now and again, you have those situations that are absolutely are not going to work out. But a lot of times, it's a very... I'll say fruitful experience learning somebody else's way of life and, and learning to accept them and accept the way that they live because you don't have a choice in close proximity. So. Mm. I think you just outlined a new episode, Roommates. <laughs> Where are they now? Oh, that's love. Because I got some stories yeah. for you. Oh Lord, Joy, Joy P. Got- <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't know me and Joy P were roommates. The one. Child, my uh, one of I'll I'll say this, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it alone because we really are gonna have to do a roommate episode. I but I do agree that um you know having roommates that are completely different they you know it it helps you it helps you become an adult right um mm -hmm. it helps you become an adult and i had some pretty i had some really dope roommates one of them i had once i had three i had three different roommates one of them bless her heart was um she was a minority student on campus and she was dating someone who was deployed at the time and uh, let's just say it was an interesting experience because I sweat that baby used to talk in her sleep. And um, that's that's another conversation for another day. Uh, <laughs> that's good. I mean, that, that- yeah, I think it is a conversation for another day, but that's funny. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, we all have our things. Like, I had roommates that were going home to Memphis every weekend. I'm like, bro, you got gas money every weekend. <laughs> I guess you can find ways how on the Memphis every weekend, but um, I think that we, like I said, it kind of teaches you how to grow up real quick. Um, dealing with somebody and you can't get out of it. And the house, first of all, you can't even get nobody's house to even <laughs> to hear your complaint. So you're gonna have to just tough it out for that first part of that semester because they they got they dealing with bigger fish like getting these students who don't got no housing. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of one of the things like you got to learn it. And that's kind of like the same for the workplace. Like you have to learn to respect and um, work with people that you have definitely now. They, we don't know that you have the qualifications sometimes to be in the settings of uh, um, and where I'm at and for work. And so, and like I said, it's teachable lessons. But, you know, 
Um, I think this is a, such a great conversation. I thank y'all so much for coming on. Yeah, this yeah. has been amazing. And, yeah, and so I guess the the last um, the last thing to kind of discuss or kind of talk about what would you change or implement at TSU for current and future LGBTQIA plus students? Um, this mm. is uh, I, this is Torian. I feel like the step that was just taken of creating a LGBTQIA subcommittee was very groundbreaking. Hmm. And and challenging at the same time. Uh, for me, being chair of that subcommittee, I, doing something that is established is always easy. I think that I discussed this already with Joy, but it's always a little bit easier to take on something that is already established. But when something is new, of course, there's like a planning period and trying to create things and, and listening and seeing what the needs are. That's very important. So I do feel like we're going in the right direction um, as far as the alumni are concerned. And I think that the Young Alumni Network has done an amazing job of getting the alumni population that is below the age of 40 or so excited to be a part of the Alumni Association. And I can say that from personal experience. I honestly wasn't thinking about the Alumni Association before the creation of the Young Alumni Network. And it, and it reinvigorated me with my love and my excitement for TSU. And for the Alumni Association to deem that important enough to create a subcommittee for that, a major step. And I think that what one of my goals will be is to partner with students on campus who are currently working on programming or, or fighting for opportunities or speaking with faculty members and working with other student organizations in order to make it more comfortable on the campus uh, for students. I don't know what the, the, the university experience is right now. I don't know what resources that they have. I don't know how comfortable they feel. Only they can tell me that. But as an alumni member, I am able to try to pull together resources in order to help them and make it easier for them than it was on me. So for me, it's a journey. Um, and I am looking forward to the opportunity to helping. And I think that that is all we can really do as alumni members is to try to make it a little bit easier, a little bit more comfortable, and make sure people have a lot more resources than we had than we were there, regardless of what demographic or uh sub-constituency that you fit into, female, male, gay, straight, black, white, Indian, Asian, whatever you are, whatever you identify as, you need to try to reach back and try to make it a little bit easier for somebody else than it was for you. 
Well said. Dr. Porter, what about you? So, Roar? Honestly, I think we just need to meet the need. You know what I mean? We talked about earlier kind of the alliance wasn't on campus. If it was, would we, you know, welcome it? Would we, you know, pursue membership? Um, And I think we just have to gauge what the need of the campus is. You know what I mean? Because that still might not be the answer. I think now, I graduated in 2013, but I think now, like, um, the LGBTQ um, plus community is a lot more, I don't want to say accepted because there are still struggles there, but it's not as hard as it was. For some people, it's still just as hard. So I don't want to, you know, take away from anybody's struggle, but I think overall, it's not as hard as it was. So I think what's really important is to gauge what the students need and if the alliance, if that type of organization is not what's going to attract the people who need it the most, then that's not what we need to be putting all of our energy into. Um, I think one thing that could help a lot is inclusion. Um, I think I remember (laughs) vividly back in those days, we used to have, what's that little room called? Um, The forum. We have all these panel discussions. Oh, yeah. I know it's COVID now, but those discussions were not very inclusive to the population on campus. You know what I mean? Like we have specific speakers come and talk about specific things to uphold this idea, this image that you know TSU pushed us towards, but it wasn't really reality. So I think one of the things that we can do moving forward is to make things that grab at your attention, things that we advertise on campus, more inclusive so we can reach broader audiences and just little by little stop making people feel so excluded that they only belong, you know, in the Alliance Club, they only belong in these certain organizations who are more welcoming than others. We can do little things like that to make everyone feel like, okay, I don't really care about what you're talking about. Maybe you're not into accounting, whatever the thing is, but there's somebody on the panel that looks like me, who identifies like me. Let me go here. Let me go at least know that if I wanted to check that out, I would at least get some benefit from it. So I think just little little things like that help a lot more than big effort and big clubs that nobody wants to be a part of. But that's just my two cents. And so we know this is like a much larger conversation that, um, you know, we can we can literally talk about this for forever because we haven't even begun to think about, you know, when the the conversations about athletics and, you know, men's versus women's programs and, you know, who is accepted where, because I know there was a lot of conversation with like, uh, you know, high school athletics, um, you know, like if a student is trans, or like a transgendered girl, can they run girls track or, you know, or vice versa? Um, I'm really not familiar with the conversations regarding like NCAA and um, and how that works. Larry, have you heard anything? I really haven't heard much more um, than, than what you've heard. I've heard like the initial talk um, mm-hmm. about the conversation, I mean, about the, the topic, um, but I haven't heard anything as far as like, 
the way they're going to proceed with any guidelines or anything like that. Um, it's actually kind of fresh from at least what I've what I've heard. Um, it's it's a, it's a fairly new topic in as far as coming across, you know, uh, my ears or whatnot. So I'm not sure how how they're going to go about that. But um, I do want to uh, I have like one little PSA, um, you know, it's kind of veering just a little bit. But uh, my PSA, and I hope this comes across completely right. Just let let people live, bro. Like really, let let people live their life. I, I'm, it's again, uh, y'all. I, this is this has been good, and I heard the, the word learn come across so many times. And you know, that's I, I hope people learn, uh, you know, from conversations like this, and from um, you know hearing about you know, experiences that may not be your own. Uh, hope people really just sit back and learn learn from that because I promise you a lot of people have no clue. Um, really, a lot of people just have no clue. And a conversation, um, you know, somebody just learning could be just a game changer. So for the people who are listening, um, you know, whatever headspace you're in, I hope, hope you're learning um from you know what was what was said today because it's 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 eye-opening um you know hearing about different experiences and i'm not saying like i'm oblivious um you know but i'm talking i i know there's even even still right in front of your face there are um you know people going through some things that you don't know about so um again i just close and say man let people live bro that's my word that's your word. Well, I sure have enjoyed the conversation. Likewise. Same. And I think it is it's been needed. Um and I um as program chair, it's been one of the things that I just strive for. Um even as with the Young Alumni Network and, and finding that in I, inclusivity is a big piece because what I didn't want ever to happen was anyone to be excluded based on the, the premise of their own lives um, and, and if someone doesn't want to be involved because they just didn't want to be versus any other thing um, organizational structure that would limit their ability to serve um, and so um, when I asked Torian to come uh, serve as subcommittee the chair over LGBTQI affairs it's it's because we created basically a, you know the program committee I created um, about 12 different subcommittees based on different topics um, men's initiatives and um, health and fitness and wellness um, I think that I saw the need for inclusionary um, this um, and inclusion within alumni chapters and alumni and the alumni experience. And I just knew that um, the conversation, even if it wasn't in some chapters, like, um, you know, brought out in discussion, I just knew that everybody needed a resource to be able to have someone at the national level um, being able to provide that um, expertise in creating inclusionary moments within a chapter through events and, and different uh, topics. And so I just look forward to the future. Um, I think we're, it's onward and upward at this point. And so I just look forward to um, seeing the our, the fruits of the labor come to fruition. 
I'm ready for it. And you know, that's it. Well, like that's I said, it. thank y'all so much for thank so, thank everybody for coming on, but especially of course Dr. Porter, Porter and as well as Torian, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience today. Um, and also last week, um, the first episode. Just, you know, I think that this is going to be one of the episodes that really um, hopefully opens a lot of eyes and even opens a lot of ears even more. And people are receptive and figuring out ways within their local chapters to be an inclusion, uh, be inclusionary and, um, and just, you know, pushing the forward um, and just getting people who want to serve their alma mater. And keep the conversation going. So, like, you can definitely follow us at TSU Young Alumni Online. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, good gracious. Hold on. It's running together. You can follow us on Instagram at TSU Young Alumni Network. Yes, that's correct. TSU Young Alumni Network. And, of course, you can always join our wonderful organization at TSUAlumniOnline.org. There's always room for you. Absolutely. Well, thank y'all so much. And until next time, be blessed. Have a good courtyard <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> Jeez. Share your decline and balance. Now, that's a I'm not sharing my DB. Anyway, all right, y'all. Y'all done heard us enough. <laughs> Go on, be great. We'll see Peace. you next time. Bye, y'all. <laughs>